Welcome back, everyone, to another in not Instagram live stream. Almost messed it up. YouTube live stream. My name is Aaron, your host on this Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, and I'm actually in Eastern time zone now, Nate. I'm hey, not oh. in Central like you, so I just arrived in Florida uh, in two weeks. Two weekends is the Miami Sports Card Show, the Courtside Card Show number three that we are co-hosting with Summertime Cards, and I will be in attendance there. Mm-hmm. So will Sam, um, Sam Dunks from Slab Stocks, and. Uh, we got a good show today. Welcome everyone in the house. Uh, Zach, Ricardo, Dwayne. I saw T206 and Tech all in the house already. So welcome everyone. We got a big show today because uh, Aaron, up, before yeah. we start, do you care to address the rumors that are going on around about you? Well, what are the rumors? Well, the rumors are that you fled Wisconsin because it was too cold for you. You have pansy. Oh, right. Yes. No, it, I mean, I will say this. It is absolutely freezing. It was like negative 15 this morning and now I'm in like 80 degree weather, like 12 hours later. So it feels good. Nate, how's it feel to be stuck in like negative 40 up there? Well, it was it was supposedly negative 25 uh, this morning before I woke up. When I woke up, it was negative 20. By the time noon hit, it was negative two. So at least it got close to zero. That's crazy. That's nuts. All right. Well, let's hop into today's show. And as you all saw from the title of this video, we are talking about Prism versus Select versus Optic. There's been a lot of talk out there recently. Is Prism still king? Can Select take it over? Is Optic fading away? Well, we're here to talk about not all of it, but some of it, at least the important high-level topics for you all to go back home, do some more homework on, and see what, and make up some decisions for yourself. But we'll just provide a little bit of info here. Uh, what I came up with before this presentation or this uh, YouTube live stream here today. So let's start off by looking at currently as we sit here right now, how much are the base PSA 10s worth for each set? And this is kind of where all the debate starts to stem from is that the Prism PSA 10 base is $1,400 right now of Luka Doncic. The select base PSA 10 is $1,100 and the optic PSA 10 base is between like 725 and 750 probably. So Select has clearly overtaken Optic. Prism is still more expensive than Select, but there are three total subsets in Select versus with Prism. You really have one main rookie set in Select. There's three, so it's kind of hard to compare, but it's not super hard to compare. There's at least some comparisons you can draw from it. You could look at all three subsets, but then it gets whack because the Select court set is so rare. So we're just going to stick with the Concourse, which is like, I would say, the base set from Select. It's the highest produced subset. Uh, cards number one to 100 in that select basketball set all right now what we're looking at is the values of all three of these cards at october first or second so first you're seeing is prism psa 10 which is 1350 if you compare it to today it's like 50 dollars cheaper only 50 if you look at the select psa 10 number 25 the concourse 635 right now it's over a thousand dollars so clearly that made up a huge gap in the last six months and then you have the optic psa 10 which was 650 on october 1 which even made up a you know i guess that's only 75 dollars, so it's probably lower in percent than the prism anyways but either way or no, it's, excuse me it's higher in percent than the prism but either way um select has made the most ground in the base psa 10 market which i know a lot of you have been starting to maybe shift away from or at least the market in general has started to shift away from but in general, this is what we're seeing for the base PSA 10s. And this is why this question was most likely asked. It was from King Cards at the very beginning. And 
a lot of people out there have been starting to push for select or optic. They really enjoy optic to be the new king over prism because of the high pop of the base cards in prism. Well, I don't think that you can just look at the prism base cards, the select base cards and the optic base cards, because that is just one part of all these releases. And you can't really use that to say, can these become the new king? Well, you can start to use that, but we, let's just get into these more details so you can all start to see what I'm talking about. So I put together these Instagram posts, which will go live on Slabstock's Instagram after this stream for people to discuss. But I looked at the Optic Hollow PSA 10, the Prism Silver PSA 10, and the Select Silver PSA 10. I think that these cards have much more sticking ability long-term. The Silver's lower pop, still a really in-demand card. It just seems to be the staple from these sets. The Optic Hollow PSA 10, there's only 255 on the PSA 10 pop report. $5,150 as of February 4th. All these values are as of February 4th because that was the only time I could get values close enough to each other. So it's about 11 days old, the actual values, but they're all comparable at that point. The market cap on that Optic Hollow PSA 10 is $1,313,250. And that basically takes your value of the card multiplied by the amount in existence in supply, so 255 PSA 10s. I did the same thing for Prism Silver. I did the same thing for Select Silver PSA 10. And if you just look at that market cap down there, for Prism Silver PSA 10, it's 16,242,950. That's absolutely massive. Prism, just looking at these three things right here, Prism's clearly king. And you can look at the Select Courtside Silver PSA 10, which is like, what, maybe a pop 30 card? And you would multiply 30 by the value of a PSA 10, which is probably around like 20K or something. And that's $600,000. So it's still way lower than what the the market cap of the Prism Silver rookie PSA 10 of Luka Doncic is. Just by looking at that, this gives you the scope of what is most in demand. This doesn't have anything to do with how much that single value is but it's all the the value versus the supply of those cards then you can start to see how much demand there is for it and i i do agree with people that yes selected select an optic have room to make up because the gap is so big but i think we all need to pump the brakes on thinking in the next year or shorter or two years that something else can be bigger than prism because basically for that to happen either the prism psa 10 values in the base and the silver and the numbered absolutely have to collapse or the other ones have to absolutely explode because I mean, we're talking like over a 10 times multiplier between all the other sets and all the other PSA tens, which is huge. I mean, this is, this is just like not even in the same universe right here, prism versus select and optic. I do love select. I know many others do too. They've been talking about select for a long time here, just that it's a very, you know, awesome set, low pop, lots of collectability from it. But in terms of being a new king for between Prism and those other two sets, I think we need to start to consider further thinking about that. Another example here is that I don't just want to look at the base or the silvers, but also a numbered card from each set because those matter a lot. And especially as we see golden auctions grab such high values for these scarce numbered cards that really don't have comps that often. So I went and I found the, big, the closest comps I could for a numbered card from each set. So we're looking at the blue out of 299 from Select, red out of 299 from Prism, and the optic, the highest numbered card is out of 199, which is an orange. And these are all nine grades, uh, PSA 9 on the Select, and then BGS 9s on the Prism and optic. And, you know, Prism clearly is the dominant force here. The numbered out of 299, red, sold for 1525 on February 8th, 
while the select PSA 9 sold for 515 and the orange sold for 770 but that was you know three weeks ago so this is just another example to show in my mind and I think in the market's mind that prism yes is still king it will take forever for something else to become a new king or it will take the biggest market swing of all time for something to become a new king and I know that people like to think that the base PSA 10 values of the select are going to drive select further and push it above prism. But it's a lot more than just that. If that select base PSA 10 come, becomes worth more than the prism base PSA 10, that does not mean that select is king at all. That's my major point is that it will take a lot more than just a base PSA 10 getting more value than a prism base PSA 10 to make select the, the king. I mean, the king, you have to compare the entire thing. You can't just compare one segment and yes, I agree with Henry H here that there are too many PSA 10 for Prism-based rookies. But even if Prism-based rookie PSA 10s from Prism collapse and are worth less, the number, the silvers, I believe, are going to carry it way further than selects will or optic. And that's my opinion. Nate, you can jump in and share yours too. There's just a lot to pick apart here. A um, couple questions. One, if that select light blue of Zine was a BGS 9 instead of a PSA 9, presumably it would go for cheaper? It would probably be around like 400, 450 then. Okay. Just to, so, so people understand that. Yeah. Right now, if you're looking at it, you're probably saying, well, it's three weeks old and uh, 100, 100 spot, you know, 100 more cards made of it. And it's not that much lower. But if it's a BGS 9. Yeah. You know, and and I was just trying to get the closest things that you can compare. I, like, I, yes. Yeah. I was, you know, of course, these aren't all direct comparisons, but we can see clearly that the prism. Red off 299 is more dominant. I mean, if that's a PSA 9, that'd be like 1800 to 2000 probably. And there's also more of those in the optic orange on 199 also. I guess for me, I'm not really concerned about select or prism. I don't think that will ever get overtaken. I'm more concerned as if select can overtake optic. Oh, I think it already, I think it already has. This is what we're looking at. I know you're looking at the base. Um, Uh, the the question is, what are like the pop reports? Because you can find optic uh, retail, correct? But you weren't able to find select retail back then. I know correct. there's three different levels of base cards. Um, correct. But you know, what if the optic has a pop of ten thousand and the select uh, premier level or concourse level, whatever one that what concourse concourse right concourse um had a pop report of three thousand? You know, then that that shift in price isn't that drastic. Yeah, no, I feel that's the same way that like I was just comparing the prism here to the select and optic. Um, I feel as if select has overtaken it as a investment piece, but at the same time, like Nate's saying, there's more optic out there. There's retail optic. It's probably a bigger brand because of that, which is why I think a lot of people were actually pushing for select retail to become a thing because they were like, oh, that would help take it to that next level like prism or optic it has that brand recognition that's in your tar or could be in your target probably not but <laughs> it could be in your target it could it's it's accessible but uh like i always am saying i think it's going to take away one of those major pros a big fighting and sticking point for select was hobby only you can only get so much of it there's only so much in the psa graded report now if you go and look you know we might be seeing psa 10 select 2020 lamella balls a base pop report of like 10,000 that will never happen in the past for Zion or Luca. So now, that'll be interesting. 
if 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 that retail hits the shelves and Lamelo and the future classes take select up a notch, does that make the Luca select that yes. has a significantly yeah. lower pop a extremely good buy right now? Because in the future, uh, the other classes select will make this select class that much more worthwhile because of the low pop reports. I think anytime you see like a new set out that is like very attractive, but it's like had sets before it, I think it automatically increases the values of the sets before it. And I think you see that with, uh, you know, a lot of different things. If it's Marvel cards, if it's whatever it is, it's like you get a new set to really grab a ton of attention. And then all that attention starts to look at the older sets where it's, lower in supply so what you're telling me is i should start buying first year select uh maybe not you because i don't know if you have the money but other people <laughs> i don't have the money um, i'm just messing around uh okay then second question third question fourth question i don't know which question i'm on here um shifted over to football obviously yeah football has everyone this was basketball thing. only right here basketball only discussion to start but now let's shift into football yeah so let's shift this over to football. I assume you don't have slides for football. I don't, know. Okay, good. Because um, I didn't want to jump the gun. Now, if you're think- thinking about Patrick Mahomes, yep. a, select, a select base uh, field level, PSA 10 is probably like 4000 bucks. Maybe it's a little bit more than that. Um, but it's not like as much as you'd think, considering it's Patrick Mahomes and a field level courtside uh level card um and then if you go down from there you have his prism silver <laughs> uh which is not a prism silver because it's his base card they were just made on silver stock uh those are over ten thousand dollars and i believe the optic hollows which are an actual silver compared it to is. the prism it silver is. um th- i know they are uh oh, those PSA you said you believe- probably like seventy five hundred dollars um, and yeah. somebody might want to correct me on these prices because I haven't looked at them in a while. Um, but there's a drastic difference between Optic Hollow and the Prism Base Silver. It, you know, it's the same card. So the Optic Hollows, A, are way undervalued for Patrick Mahomes. And then B, I feel like the like select uh, field levels are way undervalued. Do you think that will ever hit football or do you think people just don't care enough about football, even if it is Patrick Mahomes? Uh, I really wish that Panini didn't mess up that print on those 2016, 2017 cards. Cause it makes it much harder for us to justifiably like compare cards now <laughs> being like, cause you know how everyone now kind of gets skewed in that mindset. Like, Oh, it's a silver rookie, but no, it's not like there's so many out there, but at the same time, there's only one saving grace for that Mahomes base slash silver PSA 10, which is the factory dimple on the card. There's a factory print air on, I'd say like 75% or more of the cards that were put out there, Mahomes in 2017 for prism. Mm-hmm. And that's the only saving grace to why that value is so high is because I think it's such a tough grade to get a PSA 10 on that card. Um, if you saw a normal 60, 70% base PSA 10 rate on the Mahomes, I think we'd be seeing Optic Hollows worth more. Um, but there's just such a shortage of PSA 10s for that card for being a prism base slash silver that I think it really drives a ton of demand and value. But with that being said, I do agree with you. I mean, you look comparatively at Optic, and that Optic Hollow is a scarce card compared to the base. But in, you know, for Mahomes, you got to go on to the light blue number two ninety nine is the next card. Or sorry, they might not be two ninety nine in twenty seventeen Prism Football. It might be like 
175 to 200 or something. Uh, but either way, um, I do like, I do like, especially right now. I saw, I think it was Tech at the very beginning of this live stream commented that Prism Football 2020 was a flop. And I will 100% agree with that. I think Nate would too. And I was a much bigger fan of Mosaic right now. And if Select and Optic nailed out of the park for football this year, that is a case where I can see a 2020 king for football being another set other than Prism. I think that the action photos look kind of weird. They're zoomed out. The design yeah. was kind of off. And the people that are ripping the product personally probably got hit pretty hard opening that. Unless you hit a top auto or top parallel of a quarterback or one of the top skill position players, you probably got absolutely destroyed on your boxes. Well, you can see you can see the resale value on some of this stuff. The uh, stained glass, a stained glass BGS 9.5 of Justin Herbert's going for like $9,000. If you got a stained glass of Lamar Jackson or Baker Mayfield BGS 9.5, couple grand tops yeah i mean i'm i bet you that the print runs lower in that mosaic i think it's a super super like a super short print and maybe it's this comparative but i haven't done enough research on it i guess to say myself but that's crazy to hear that too but it's it'll be interesting because optic football just came out select football is coming in the future and there will be a retail version of select football um i think that's going to be a really good debate i wish that i mean we will have that for basketball soon but just football first we'll, we'll be able to see but i think that Maybe it's time to move on with here. And uh, everyone, thank you for throwing in some stuff in the comments. And uh, I do appreciate the discussion. Keep uh, keep talking back and forth with each other. And I appreciate that a lot. And Michael Brown, thank you for that $5 super chat. That's 5 bucks to Camp Kessem, of course, helping kids go to camp whose parents have cancer. I uh, We appreciate that a lot. And also, no, not a new office, uh, just on the move in Florida for a few weeks. So uh, Pretty excited to be in warm weather, although it is absolutely storming right now, which I was not expecting today. So got in sunny, and now it's just pouring. That's Florida. Just storms just show up randomly. The next thing you know, it'll be sunny. Yep. <laughs> All right. Courtside card show, guys. Miami, Florida, February 27th, 2 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. If you are in Florida or in the area surrounding Florida and you want to get away for a weekend, Let's try to get over to Miami, Florida for this courtside card show number three. I will be there co-hosting it with Summertime Sports Cards. Uh, Anthony is a great guy and host, hosted the first two shows with uh, a few buddies of his, and they were really successful. And we're looking to have a great uh, number three. All the tables are sold out, but guys, this is the first event I'm going to since the National in 2019, and I could not be more excited. And then Dallas in middle of March I'm going to as well. Uh, the Dallas card show, but this one I'm, I'm really looking forward to a good time. It'll be a pretty uh, smaller show, 30 to 40 tables, but it should make for some really good discussion and some really good networking there. Um, I know that Dallas is, was awesome, and I'm really looking forward to Dallas. That shows much uh, probably larger, but this will be really cool. And I have an awesome surprise. We'll be live breaking a box for an NBA showcase break. That's the biggest box we'll be opening yet, and that break is going for sale on Friday after this Friday's NBA showcase. Hey, uh, are you gonna do a are you gonna do a throwback to the 2019 national where you sell like Lamar Jackson's for three dollars <laughs> and Juan Soto's for Bowman Chrome autos for three hundred and whatever you sold your BGS nine five four and that was like six hundred uh, I think uh, yeah have, you know have what everyone, gonna, have everyone come to your booth looking to buy ba- uh, Baker Mayfield's I'm just gonna put up all my cards that I have with me which is like five for one percent of the value <laughs> perfect. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, this week at Slap Stocks Breaks, Nate on Thursday hit a clear of 10 of six boxes of flagship 2020 Series 1 and a Boba Shed variation. That's pretty sweet, huh, Nate? Uh, first clear I've ever seen. Sometimes I'm not so sure like these parallels exist because I rip a lot and never see anything. And uh, finally hit a clear. So that was a bucket list. Bucket list yeah. challenge. Knocked yeah. Out. And then uh, on the right there, I opened a 1996 Bowman's Best Box, which of course features Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson, Ray Allen which is hilarious because I hit all three of those guys in one pack. They went Allen Iverson retro rookie, Ray Allen Bowman's picks or Bowman's best picks die cut refractor rookie. That's one in 96 packs. They hit one of those and it happened to be Ray Allen. I mean, Kobe and Allen Iverson are probably the other two better players you could have hit, but still amazing hit Ray Allen. And then then two cards later in the same pack hit a Kobe rookie. Uh, those PSA tens are valued at six and a half thousand dollars. And the guy that got this pack actually is from Miami elite 305 cards and he's going to be in the miami show and he's trying to get them back before that so i hope to be able to capture some video to uh reveal his psa grades on these three bowman's best cards that was an absolute blast and then uh fleer 1996 97 basketball series one is this friday we're searching for the jordan psa 10 decade not can't pull a psa 10 out of a pack but decade of excellence it's a insert um it's a 10 10 year anniversary of the 86 fleer rookie cards they remade it and put a little stamp on it for an insert card and Hope to hit that. That's like a $1,500 PSA 10. And this was a pretty affordable uh, Friday NBA showcase for people. But uh, we're prepping for the following Friday then, which is going to be crazy. Please tune in Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern time to watch this box so you can see what next week's box is, which I'll be opening on Saturday live in Miami. And then the Discord. Link in the bio or in the description of this video to uh, check out our Discord. Lots of uh, sports card discussion and different ways to connect with other collectors like yourself. All right, guys, we're moving on to some more questions here. In terms of selling a card, how do you guys approach selling cards? Is it eBay comps? And if so, do you factor in eBay fees as well, assuming you're not selling eBay? I love this question because I see a lot of, I, I don't want to say like fighting, but I see a lot of people like salty on Instagram when they're like, so-and-so told me that I have to pay full eBay because that's how much it's worth on eBay. And then I also see people say, oh, you you better be giving me 10% off eBay. Personally, the way I feel is if it's a base PSA 10 or if it's a silver PSA 10 or something that's in high supply, whatever the card may be, and you can get on eBay quite easily and your seller off eBay, I feel that you should be charging around 90% of eBay value. And maybe not everyone likes to hear that because you like to try to get as much money as you can for your cards. But you darn now, well know if you're selling on eBay, you're getting charged that 10% fee automatically. You just are. You're not avoiding it. When you sell the card, you're getting charged that. Why not pass it along further? Give that person the full 10% off on a high supply card because you know that you, you know, he can get it somewhere else. You can also get it back at some other time and then everyone's happy. You get paid like you would. The buyer gets a deal. Um, or deal compared to eBay, and then uh, you move on. But if it's like a rare card, like serial numbered of 250, or if it's like this here, Kobe 1998 Ultra Gold Medallion PSA 9 that I bought for, or I bought non graded and got a 9 on. Very happy about that. Nice Pretty flight. low pop card. Oh, no, I'm just sharing a card I love everyone. Just kidding. <laughs> But my point is, is if it's a if it's a low pop scarce card like that, I think that you should be able to set your price unless there's something that's like cheaper out there that someone else can immediately buy. And at that point, then you shouldn't even be looking to sell it because you know you're not going to sell it for what you want. So 
I, it's my belief that yes, you should be discounting ten percent off of eBay comps. Are you in that same belief if you're selling on Instagram? I think so. I mean, you then don't have to pay the three percent or two and a half percent for uh, PayPal fees or now eBay, whatever preferred preferred crap fees. Um, so so I guess here's the other thing: money there. I think probably I'm along the lines of. I think you guys should be able to meet somewhere in the middle. You give them like 8% off. They give you a little extra cash where they're saving money. You're making a little bit extra, but whatever. So that's that's the other thing. Like if it's a rare card and you want to sell the eBay comps, let's say like a silver PSA 10, which isn't like a base. Then I'd say like, yeah, maybe 8%. So you get a little bit extra, but they're also still getting a break off of eBay pricing. I think it just depends on what the supply is of the card how available it is, how much do you need to be competitive with your pricing. It's kind of dependent, but at the same time, I'm going to lean more towards take percent off. It'll go a long way with building relationships in the space. If you're always that person out there that tries to penny pinch that extra 1%, 2% from eBay pricing, um, it's just going to lead to not many relationships or network uh, building going forward. And you know, the way I found out through building a brand in the sports car industry for the last two and a half years is always give more than you want to take. And that will always help you get further in life and in business too in the sports car industry versus always be con- being concerned about that extra $2, $5. Um, then I will take your Kobe you just showed. I was waiting for that. And you'll be okay giving it to me. <laughs> you know, I might as well. I mean... You, you're on this live stream right now, so I got to give you something, right? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Thank you to uh, oops. Thank you to Card Collector Six Four One. That was a really good question because I actually see a lot of people talk about this uh, via social media and whatnot because it is kind of a it's not like a touchy subject, but when you're talking with someone else, it could be touchy about if you're actually trying to sell and you're like debating it. And I suppose what it really comes down to is. If you have a bunch of cards and you are rich or not rich, but like if you have a lot of cards and you're penny pitching, it's a bit ridiculous. If you are a 13 year old kid who has three cards and is trying to save some money, I can understand it. Oh, same. Cause then you're, you only have two other cards to work with. <laughs> yeah. And you're also obviously trying to build up your bankroll to actually make a dent in the space. Okay, uh, sorry about not having pictures on this slide. Ran a little short on time before starting and want to get that main discussion beforehand kind of nailed down more so than uh, this question. Not to say a 406 Cardboard's question wasn't valid because it definitely is. Just didn't get to get the images in there. All right, thoughts on LeBron, Bo- LeBron Bowman Chrome and Topps Finest rookies? I think they are great plays. I think Optic could be compared to Bowman Chrome and Topps Finest could be compared to Select being hobby only. I tend to agree with the comparisons based off of what he said because Topps Finest was a hobby-only product. There wasn't a retail. Select was hobby-only, no retail. And Optic and Bowman Chrome, a little harder to compare because Bowman actually came out as a Bowman Rookies and Stars box. And then there's Bowman Chrome cards inserted inside of that versus just like a strictly Bowman Chrome set in 2003. But... I do think that these two cards as well as other LeBron cards are really nice plays. I personally am a huge Topps Finest fan. Um, you will see us bring more Topps Finest breaks to the table probably than many other older products 
just because I think that Topps Finest is the perfect combination of value and product base. Um, you're getting into Topps Chrome, and some of those sets are so expensive that it really pushes a lot of people out. But Topps Finest is like that just next level down. Some really amazing looking cards in that Chrome brand, which I think like 2000 to 2009, like any really nice Chrome product in that time frame is really a great play. Um, which is why I agree with the 2003 Topps Finest. LeBron, also, you get things like the base number, number 999. Like, that's a huge score for Topps Finest cards, a numbered base card. Anytime you have a numbered base card, that is just like such a huge card, like 2009 Topps Chrome, because uh, those cards were inserted into the Topps base set boxes. Um, those cards were num- also numbered on 999 for base, like Steph Curry. And th- that provides like immediately some of the biggest base cards of all time. Okay, Northwood Sports or sorry, Northwoods Card Collector. Which type of alternative cards do you think will sustain the most amount of interest? Star Wars, Marvel, or something else? Star Wars and Marvel both to me seem to have gained a lot of intrigue since the beginning of the year. And he is completely correct. Those sets have exploded. Um, I think that we almost are seeing something similar to Star Wars and Marvel that happened to Pokemon cards in October. Generally, when something gets a ton of attention, the biggest of that category goes up so insanely fast. Meaning, Pokemon First Edition English PSA 10 Hollows went up so fast, or not even PSA 9s um, in October. And I think you're seeing cards like that Luke Skywalker number one. You're seeing that original blue 1977 Star Wars set gaining a ton of value, which is awesome. I love Star Wars. Um, But generally, those sets then start to go on the decline once interest starts to wane a bit. bit. And that's not to say that the entire market interest wanes. It's just that the top end dollar starts to wane because the the demand gets satisfied with the supply out there. Or maybe it doesn't if it's such low pop. And then uh, it kind of readjusts from there. But with that being said, whenever you see a hyper growth stage for a market, Star Wars, Marvel, Pokemon cards, whatever you have it, you generally see a really large new floor get created. You see a lot of people come into the space that want to buy and sell the cards. They're going to stick in it. And it might not be everyone that came in and bought a Star Wars card, everyone that came in and bought a Marvel card, but even more than before. And that's kind of like where you start to see, you can see the initial rise, you see a little bit of a taper off, and then you start to see that floor. And then it starts kind of starts to build a marketplace long-term versus just having an insane social media and hype push to the set, which is what you see at first. And it happened with kind of soccer cards too. And then you see the floor get set and then you see prices start to go up again because there actually is a market for this stuff. And I would agree. Star Wars and Marvel to the biggest movie franchises and uh, obviously just entertainment franchises, not even just movies um, of all time. I think that those are, you know, if you get the right cards, I'm not an expert in either. I'm not an expert in any sports cards or anything. I want to make that clear. Nate and I just come up here and share our opinion and what we've seen in our experience and over the industry, you know, for, I've been in it for 12 years. So I, I do have a lot of experience, but I don't want to sit up here and, you know, make it seem like whatever my word is, is the correct word. It's whatever you find in your own experiences and evidence is what you really should believe in. But I'm here to help facilitate that and get you to those points to where you believe in something. Um, basically, what I'm trying to say, is that if you're in the right cards from these specific things, I'm sure you're going to do great. If you all jump in and buy the hyped up 
overproduce something that's undergraded and then it gets graded a ton, you'll start to see the values come down. Like potential, I, I've not done any research on this. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but compare it to soccer. You know, if there's a card that's extremely undergraded, like a Lionel Messi, Prism, PSA 10, base, and if there's a ton of those 1990 Marvel cards out there, and there's only a few Spider-Mans that are graded in PSA 10, once all those start to go get graded and get nines and tens, those values might start to fall. But the other thing here is that 1990 Marvel cards that probably were not taken care of well, probably going to be really hard to 10. So those should do much better than like a 2014 Prism Lionel Messi will long-term, or at least in the short term once they start to get graded. So I do I do like these. I think that there's a lot of room for um, collectors and movie and comic non-sport fans to get into this space to help drive the market further because I would venture to guess that most of what we've seen money-wise in these non-sport categories have came from sports. I would just guess that because they're familiar with cards. They know what they're doing. And they think they can make money somewhere else. And they are fans of that stuff probably too. But just wait until you see people that are coming into this because of Marvel cards. That's where you start to see a big market grow. Um, Charles, Star Wars is Disney too. Just wanted to point that out. Uh, but if you had to choose one, Aaron, if you had to choose between Star Wars or Marvel or something else, which like one do for, you think? For like one like non-interest. <sighs> like you can only choose one. I just feel like that there's so many ways that people can get involved and connected to Marvel. I love Star Wars and I've known Star Wars for longer than I've like really known Marvel for in my life. But I just feel like that there's so many ways that people can connect to Marvel. See, I feel like I, I, I disagree. I'm not saying, I think I go Star Wars just because you have, you have the first movies in the 1970s. So you have a bunch of, uh, you know, fifties people in their fifties, um 60s connecting with that then you have the second wave of movies 1999 2001 probably in 2003 so you have the 30 year old 20 year olds connecting with that and then you have uh the new star wars and all of the shows that are going to be exploding uh on disney plus um and so you're going to be seeing just huge amounts of kids into star wars Whereas Marvel, I know there was the comics. Um, yeah, wait, stop right there. You you say I know that there was the comics, but that is exactly why I would say. But Marvel. there were there were there were books and everything about Star Wars for years and years and years. Yeah, sure but you Star said Star Wars comics too. Yeah, but these Marvel comics started in like the fifties, and you see like nine point nine grade CGC nines of that stuff go for like twenty five to like three hundred thousand dollars. Like there's already a big market for collectibles outside of. What, ha- what started with 1977 tops Star Wars. I just True. feel that there's much more of a market for something like people in the Marvel space than in the Star Wars space. And I could be wrong and they could be right. And I also could be right and they could be wrong. We're just talking without much knowledge here either. I just, it's a fun debate though. It's a good debate. I, I'm glad that I'm just saying for my, for my, for my fandom, if I was to choose one, I would choose Star Wars because I just think, I think the, the, like the idea of it being on TV longer has more of an effect than being it in like print, but I could be wrong. What about the sheer volume? Like the volume of Marvel universe, you know, that's really like, I, I'm not, I'm just asking a question too. Like, you know, like I, I wonder how much that matters. I'm like, that's what I'm trying to say. Like 
there's just more ways I feel like that touches more people. But yeah. Star Wars is one of the biggest, you know, soul franchises ever. So because Marvel, that's the other thing. There's so much that makes up Marvel comics and movies and franchise. But Star Wars, it's so pinpointed that like it's kind of crazy to see how big that is with also being nine movies and some books and some TV shows, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, and and games and all that stuff. Well, right. Um, what's interesting right here, the same thing happening with Dragon Ball Z market. I don't know if you watched Dragon Ball Z growing up. I know what did. I didn't watch, but I know what it is. Uh so good. So so good. It was a little annoying when like Goku would be powering up his spirit bomb and uh it would take like 20 episodes and you'd get home from school and the 30 minute episode would be 10 minutes of commercials and 20 minutes of Goku powering up his spirit bomb 20 episodes in a row. But uh, what's interesting is that you're watching, you're watching like Dragon Ball Z move up. So if you're, if I'm on the outside, I'm saying, okay, this is moving up. This is moving up. This is moving up. This is moving up. What's the next thing. What's the next thing that pops and I've talked about Game of Thrones a lot because there's going to be a new Game of Thrones series coming out in September 2021 or whatever, December 2021, or maybe December 2022 or December 2023. I don't remember what it was. Um, but, you know, is Game of Thrones the next thing? Is you like to think about like Stranger Things, right? You like the show. Is that going to be the next thing? Um, is there going to be, um, you know, some other phenomenon show that, had cards that I don't know about breaking bad or something. Do they have? Yeah. I think that they do have a set. It's interesting. I I think that there's an area for everything. I think if, if 2020 and 20, the beginning of 2021 has taught us anything, there's room for anything in the market that has fans. I think that's the biggest takeaway. Anything has fans and can gain a market share with collectibles. There's, there's a spot for it. If you're really passionate about it, I'd say go for it. I mean, why not? You know, if you hold some of the only PSA grade cards on the market of a given thing and it goes up or pops, that's a gold mine. <laughs> yep. All right. Here we go. Another one from Northwood Northwood's card collector. Do you think in order for the national in Chicago to take place on time at the end of July, they would limit attendance as instead of limit and cap on VIP tickets and ca- and a cap on daily tickets to prevent the national from exceeding a certain capacity limit. Basically, if you were in charge of the national, how would you safely run the show? First off, I really, really, really hope that the national happens with no limit on capacity. Um, I have been waiting for two years now, once this show comes to see just how big a firepower, you know, let everything loose show in the hobby where this is the biggest thing happening in Chicago I need to see how many people can come. I need to see if there's going to be 500,000 people there over the five days. Um, but if that's not the case and if vaccines aren't distributed and uh, plan Bs have to be put into place, I would assume that they would do something to limit the attendance at given times. Instead of being able to roam the show for eight hours that whole day, you might be able to get one hour to roam the show. I'm sure there'll be things like that placed, and I think that's what I would do. I would not want to be the people that are running the show, and you say, yeah, we need a limited attendance, but I'm going to limit it by selling tickets to only 10,000 people or 20,000 people. I would hate to do that. I would try to find every way possible to get as many people through that door as possible 
They got to work quickly through the tables, you know, like, and I know that stinks. That's not what anyone wants to hear. That's not what I want to happen. But in my personal opinion, that's the best way to go is to find ways to assign people who buy tickets certain times that you're going to the show. If your badge doesn't say that time, you're not going into the building. That seems like the most feasible way to me to limit attendance and to make sure people actually get to the show that want to go. I don't think they should be turning away anyone that wants to go over those five days. I think you should have to book your time to go into the show if that has to happen. I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't either because that that just, you know, if you're going to the show and you want to see this booth and that booth and this booth and that booth and you want to look at their cards, but you have an hour, you might get to yeah. five booths in the entire show. And here's the other and thing. Then if you're I coming from part, like we're coming from Wisconsin to Chicago. That's not a big deal. But yeah. if you're coming from Oregon, if you're coming from South Carolina, you know, somewhere like that, that's a huge yeah. deal. Yeah, I, I'll also say that it would lead to a lot of trips getting canceled. Um, that's just what I think. Uh, Zach says, worst comes to worst, just relocate the national district to Dallas or somewhere like that where they wouldn't be any restrictions regardless. I don't think that that's feasible. Booking a, space, booking a space that big is nearly impossible this close, like Nate was saying. And if you uh, were paying attention like last year's national – Instead of trying to find a new location because there's no way it's going to happen in uh, where was it going to oh Atlantic City they just pushed it back um, it was never in the plans I'm pretty sure to like find a new location that might allow it it was just like delay it I don't see any way they could move it I know that a lot of events have been getting moved to Indianapolis like from Chicago um, like Big Ten championship game for basketball or Big Ten tournament. But we'll see. Maybe that can happen. Maybe it can't. Well, I don't know if there's that's that's the Big Ten has a lot of sway. The National well, Card Collecting Convention does not. <laughs> well, let, let's remember Big Ten tournament. You have to get hotels, and then you also just have to get people in the arena, like players. Yeah. It's not like you need to host five hundred thousand people. So yeah, I know, I, I know the Collectors Convention. You know, all these guys have booths. Everyone has already ordered their hotel rooms. People have ordered other things to go along oh. with it. Um, I, and if you had to cancel all of that, you'd have been yeah. and, and move it. Cancel and move it. Canceling is one thing. Canceling it and moving it to Dallas this close and having everyone have to scramble to get it new happen. and stuff, impossible. It wouldn't happen. I, I agree. I'm not I'm not saying also oh an outdoor card convention would probably be the worst thing ever because Ooh. I don't think you <laughs> I don't think you want to smell what it'd smell like if it is outdoors and hot. <laughs> That'd be brutal. <laughs> All right. Last question for today. Are PSA 9s a smart investment for someone just getting started and building a budget towards PSA 10s? I meant to put the video into this uh, little black box here. But if you go on a YouTube and you Google PSA, not you search in YouTube. I, I always use Google as a random verb. And I think a lot of people do. Do you mm -hmm. do that? It's, yeah, like, I, it's I, like saying oh, I'll have a Coke, but you really just yeah. mean... I'll have a, a fountain drink to go fill up, but you say I'll have a Coke or a Band-Aid. Like give yeah. me a Band-Aid or yeah. give me a Kleenex. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I like that. I like that brands have that power. But uh, go into YouTube and search PSA Nine Investment, and you will see the very first video is me, and that's my first YouTube video. Where it's like a solo video. We've had some in the past where Nate and I are doing some stuff together, but that was the first solo video I did, and. I talk about why PSA 9s are very smart investments for those that have 
low budgets or we're working with trying to amass more cards instead of less cards in high grade. And I think that you can make a play in anything that matters and is liquid. I know that cards aren't the most liquid thing, but talking PSA graded, PSA graded is probably the most liquid thing in the sports card space. You can find a million buyers for PSA graded card versus a non-graded card that people don't know what they're doing with. Um, I would say yes, PSA 9, smart investment all day. If you want to get more cards instead of less, if you have lower budget instead of higher, uh, you can make money on those guaranteed. If you make the right plays, not just any PSA 9. You got to make the right plays. You got to know what's right for you. You got to know what players you want to buy, what sets you want to buy. But do not turn away from a PSA 9 because I, if I turned away from a PSA 9 because of uh, – or if I turned away from a Jordan Nike 1985 PSA 9 because it was a PSA 9 and that's the only reason why I didn't want it, uh, I would not have that card for $300. I bought it a year ago. And that card is worth way more than that, than that now. And I think that too many people are like tens or die, you know, like, you know, like I ride with tens only. And that's not to say that they're not the best. I mean, it's a 10 for a reason. It's a gem mint for a reason. But you just can't neglect a whole side of the marketplace. Bazooka Tom, this is a good point to bring up. I fear pop counts will eventually kill PSA 9s. I, th- I don't think it will kill PSA 9s. I think any time the pop will go up, it will just lower the potential profit margin on whatever the grade is. And also, here's a good point too. I think that's a tower Toa, Toa, I meant. Toa? I hope I said that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. But PSA 9s are a different grader away from a 10. It's 100% possible too. There's a lot or, of subjectivity with grading. Or a PSA 8. I mean, you never know, right? can go both ways. So, exactly. You know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but in my opinion, grab nines if it's a card you really like or if it's a card you believe in. I mean, a silver nine Zion select PSA nine. If you believe in Zion, if you believe in select, that's a fantastic card that can gain value. People just want to buy PSA labeled cards. You, you know what? I, I like that point because I think, I think PSA 10, you kind of believe in the grade. But if you're buying a PSA nine, I feel like you believe in the player. Or the set. Yeah, exactly. And then here's the other thing is if you always apply PSA 10s or bust, and if you get a card like this Kobe I'm holding, this is like an impossible grade card. No, I'm talking about this so people understand stuff. This is like an impossible grade card, and I am very fortunate that I got a 9. I can't actually believe that a card that's got dark borders on the back, dark borders on the back, gold on the front, it can chip so easily. I can't believe it got a nine. Cards like that, if you were like, I'm only going to buy a 10, you'll probably never find a 10. And you'll probably never have the card. And at that point, do you even want the card if you only want a 10? Like what Nate said. So I really do think that uh, this Kobe is actually a third year Toa, but it is a great picture and it is an amazing card. I, I love it. It's from 1998. It's also the year I was born, which made me get attracted to it. But uh, I, I, I like what Nate has to say. And I also like what all you all had to say in the in the caption today or in the in the chat today. There's a lot of really good uh, discussion points on um, you know, the card space and what's going on. Nate, should we shut it down that way? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for coming to this week's Monday YouTube live stream. If you guys want to engage further on this live stream, hop on over to Instagram. After this live stream ends, I'll post up the topics about is Prism still king and what people's thoughts are on the market cap and the pop reports. And we'll see what discussion arises out of it. I'm sure there'll be some uh, 
pretty pretty hot hot takes in that. So I'll hop over there if you want to talk further on that. But thank you all for joining this week's Monday YouTube live stream at 6 p.m. Eastern time. I will see you all for this week's Slab Stocks breaks on Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday. No break on Thursday. But uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll get back with that and have some more baseball on the way. Nate. All right, everyone. Thank you for watching, Nate. Thanks for joining. We will see you all next week. See you guys.